Hello and welcome to another episode of Get Out of Rap. I'm here today with James Revel, who is the general manager for Air France KLM. James has been at Air France KLM for 21 years and for the last four and a half years as general manager. So as well as leading ops, James has recently overseen a successful transformation program which entailed leading the operational merger of two similar centres to achieve an integrated working methodology for Europe. Um, so that was driving cultural change across all staff and accomplishing operational um, success. And I'm sure, like me, a lot of you saw um, James deliver a keynote speech at the at last year's National Contact Centre Conference in 2018 on homeworking and James has won a him and his team have won a lot of awards and we're gonna we're gonna talk about that amongst uh, other things James thanks very much for joining me here today in London thank you very much for having me this is where the magic happens <laughs> I, I'm, it's kind of intimidating it's amazing it's a bit like pirate radio it's, it's all designed to be intimidating okay, and just to un unsettle you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well because I'm unsettled so well done great <laughs> um, I'm really I've been looking forward to this we've been um, talking about getting together um, I think like ever, anyone that comes into contact with you I um, always thought you'd be great for people to hear about your journey and um, for you to share your your expertise um, so yeah I'm really looking forward to this good I hope I'm not going to disappoint after that great introduction that's amazing <laughs> yeah that's that's where the, the my plans end at that point in okay. terms of how, how the podcast goes and then we just see we just see what happens so good. um so 21 years at Air France um, KLM, but how did this kind of, how did this journey into the world of contact centres and now this kind of really senior position you're in, how did that happen? Um, by accident, uh, by accident completely. So I started off uh, as an agent for what was just Air France at the time, 21 years ago, as you said. I had a full head of hair at the time, <laughs> uh, which seems improbable now. Uh, but um, yeah, it was by I accident. Feel your pain. Yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> we, we've got the same hairdresser. So um, yeah, so it was um, totally by accident. It was really I wanted to, you know, I'd, I'd learnt French and I wanted to work for a French company, and uh, they said, "Yep, yeah, we've got uh, something going on." It wasn't a contact centre then. Uh, it was. Uh, I don't know what you call it. It was uh, <laughs> there were phones. Uh, th that was true, and you'd speak to customers, but it wasn't a contact center. So it was like a nine-month contract, really, whilst they built this new contact center that was opening up in Wembley, North London. So I always remember the the general manager, the the center that was going to open, coming in at the time and saying, "So James, do you want to work in a call center?" And I said, "Over my dead body, you know, <laughs> cocky little upstart that <laughs> yeah. I was." And, and now, how dare you? I know exactly. <laughs> and then I went I, after the nine months. I went into to sales, and I thought I'd give that a go, and went out on the road trying to sell, uh, which sounds really nice, but I absolutely hated it. I came back into the office and then there was an opportunity like, uh, back in 2007 to actually go into the contact centre as an ops manager and um, I took that chance and really the only regret I've got is that I didn't do that sooner and that I didn't stay with the contact centre right from, from, from the beginning uh, because it's really been very enriching and, and I think the disappointing thing is that I think I had this preconception about contact centres or call centres or sweatshops or whatever they were at, at the time uh, and that kind of stuck and it's such a shame 
because it's one of the most vibrant and dynamic uh, sociable, fun working environments that, I, that I've ever had the privilege to work in as well. Mm. So uh, to be able to be in a role now to kind of steer that forward for a, for a, for a large company is a, is a great privilege. Uh, and I think what I love about it the, the most is that it is very sociable and it, it is about people and it's about the customers. Uh, and I think that within the company to have that uh, privilege to be able to interact with the customers is a great one. Um, but also it's a, it's a room full of people that are all customer focused and have got loads of knowledge, loads of experience and because they, their job is to be sociable and interact, it's a pleasure to interact with them. So it really does create this kind of dynamic environment which is you know, great fun to work with. And when you're in a place for such a long time, you, know, you want it to be fun and mm. that's, what, you know, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. Your pride is kind of like tangible, not just about where you, where you work but the the industry as well. Do you, yeah. um, and you talk about privilege, but I guess it's also, it's a great, great positive responsibility because yeah. as you've gone through your journey, you've then thought you are now in a position where you directly influence the environment of the people that, um, exactly. that are working in yeah. the same place as you, right? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, this is it. I mean, we'll, we'll touch on it briefly. I mean, we've got a big uh, home working uh, and flexible working setup. And part of that is being management and not having an office and sitting with the teams, which is a little bit kind of at the beginning. I think everyone was a bit apprehensive. And you could see coming in at the beginning of the day, people a little bit scared. Is he going to put his bag down next to me? <laughs> yes, he is. I'm going to behave. And then now we're a few years, you know, a few years on, and you know, it's 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 not like that at all. And you, you sit down, and they realise that it's actually them telling you to behave. But yeah, no, this is it exactly. It is a little bit that, um, and uh, it's always a bit disappointing when it's you know really quiet and everyone's cracking on with everything. Because and that's a great position to be in because you, you hear straight away what's happening with the customers, what's going wrong. And you can put something right, and then people can see you trying to put something right as well. Mm. And people can give you feedback, and you want people to speak to you openly, uh, not just through surveys and things like that, but to engage directly with you, and then to do something about it. And I think that's really the most dynamic way of managing uh, a modern workplace, and not just about contact centres. Mm. And uh, you know, I think it's a, you know it's a shame. I don't see that. Maybe I don't know. Really, now I'm maybe kind of contact centre centric so I don't really have exposure to other kinds of working environments now but I have the perception of perhaps other working environments being not so dynamic. I mean we're in a very dynamic working environment today, uh, the, uh, the offices that we're in so you know everyone's running around with coffees and things like that. And that well we're next great. door to the baristas. Yeah, so that's I know, the, we can hear But I think within that contact centre environment that dyna dynamism is something that I really appreciate and hopefully I think the, the, the people within the centre appreciate as well. And what can you just um, share the kind of the, the scale of the operation, this, this transformation, this transformational kind of journey you went mm. through um, and really what, what's kept you for the same employer, mm. still energised, um, still really passionate about mm. your customers and, and, your, and your team members, right? Sure. Um, so when I was fortunate enough to uh, get this position, it was at a time when um, customer contact, as it's called within the Air France KLM environment, was going under, uh, going, uh, coming under a, a you know, complete change. You know, with Air France KLM, and we, do, uh, we have a joint venture with Delta as well, globally, there was perhaps a little bit more of a fragmented approach to customer service, not consistent. So 
my boss, who's the uh, SVP uh, for Customer Contact globally, uh, and his team uh, with us and all the other contact centres have tried to change that, uh, create a clearer customer segmentation, uh, adding value, and then having a, a footprint in terms of all the different activity which really makes sense, it's cost efficient as well, brings added value to our customers. And that is quite an exciting project. You know, it's quite, it's not starting from scratch because all the infrastructure's there, but there was a lot of big things to change. And I think culturally, uh, for the centre here in the UK, in Wembley, we were very used to working as a, an, an Air France centre, uh, but, you know, not part of a wider network of centres and interplay within the centres and the sharing of the activity. So that's quite daunting. Uh, that raises a lot of questions for people. And then you have... As a, as a as a manager or a leader to help and guide people through that and to to ensure that you communicate the vision and the strategy and to really underline the fact that there is uh, in fact increasing added value to what people will be doing moving forward as part of this bigger wider quite exciting strategy and I feel three years on I think from a customer and a people perspective I think it's worked out really well uh, we're not at the end of the journey yet and there's a lot of exciting things to come uh, but you know I feel now that we're a lot better placed and I think there are tangible results there in terms of CSAT and also employee satisfaction as well which uh, and that, and, that, and that drives me and that keeps me going because once you see that kind of uh, positive uh, direction and trend, then you, know, you, you get the feel that you're doing something right and you want to continue doing that. And what's been the kind of key, what have been the key takeaways for you from this, from this journey that you would want to um, share with people either to do and to maintain or to not to do? Um, well, I think... Uh, if we're looking from a from a people perspective, because you know, from a customer perspective in our business, it's probably very different from a lot of the other sectors out out there. And we've got a very clear segmentation of our business and uh, how that is delineated with outsourcers, automation, etc. Uh, is uh, you know might not be you know a one size fits all solution for everybody, but from uh, a contact center management perspective in terms of uh, a team of you know 250 people and try to to get them engaged in that change uh, I think for me it's engaging that that kind of middle management and leadership uh, team there uh, uh, yeah. as well yeah. that they've got a huge role to play because their interplay with uh, the front line it is huge and it's enormous and it's no longer about functional knowledge it's about sharing uh, the vision and the strategy consistency across the board because mm. people hate a lack of consistency within a contact center mm. uh, and and you have to have all that leadership team you know aligned uh, and uh, uh, you know effectively ready to 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 serve their customers who are their, their, the, the people that report into them and I think one of the things that we've done is invest a lot in the upskilling uh, and, and training for, for that strata of people. And, and I've really seen that bear, bear fruits. And I think that was something that previously might have been neglected and held us back as a wider organisation. So that's something that I think that, uh, that, that my team can be uh, proud of collectively. And is that strata so then various kind of 
terms for it, but team manager, team leader. Yes, okay. supervisor, <laughs> team leader, coach, mentor, manager, all, all of that. But I try to kind of put everything under, you know, the one term as a leadership team yeah. rather than manager or supervisor. For me, supervisor has got a hard hat on and works on the building side. Yeah. And we had this kind of supervisor term and it was also my supervisor said this. And then if it was a, uh, you know, a strata above, it was my manager said that. I wanted to say, okay, it's, it's about leadership. And I think the whole concept of leadership now is changing whereas you know you're you're more coaches you're more mentors you're there to, to advise it's it's about collaboration and uh, ensuring that you know there's a, a consistency in the message and that you are feeding information in, in both directions as well when things are going wrong and things are going right being very close uh, to the teams and working in proximity as a partnership and, and I very much believe that if you've got you know we want everyone to be you know customer centric customer focused then you know people within the center are our customers as well mm. and we cannot expect them to deliver excellent customer service if we starting with myself are not delivering that in the first place yeah so you know you have to be uh, you know you have to be whiter than white you have to do you know do everything correctly and things like that but people also have to realize that you're fallible mm. uh, and I think once people realize that that is the case then it creates a different kind of environment a different kind of culture a more psychologically safe place I believe where people can deliver uh, the best what they can do but also at the same time have fun and do that within an open environment because they see if they see you as the leader yeah. operating in a way that's true to yourself yeah where you're driven and got vision and you're charismatic but you're equally the other facets of your personality you allow them to Oh yeah, yeah. Come they, out and that infallibility. You they know, say like all the all the wrinkles. <laughs> I can tell you, I'm sitting next to me. You know, uh, when I get frustrated during the day, they'll hear me. Uh, and you know, but uh, it's you, you have to see that. And I think fundamentally, if if people think that you're a phony. Yeah. They they will see that. Or if you're putting on a facade, then they will see through that. People are people are wise to that, so they have to appreciate you know what you fundamentally are as an individual. And if you're not being true to yourself, then 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 that is an issue. And I think and I, I see that maybe from the was the beginning of my career when I started to manage people as well. There was a perception: this is what a manager should be. This is what a leader should be. And it's mm. kind of you know mm. uh, maybe a, a, you know aloof and you know something needs to command respect, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But you know it's not mutually exclusive. You know, um, uh, you know terms commanding respect is I think all, uh, also about you know being true to, to, to who you are. And people can sniff that out straight away. I love that phrase about a psychological safe space. Mm. So in that, I guess that does that then it translates through to people just feeling free to communicate. Mm. And, and maybe, you know, I, I absolutely can remember um, starting out being somebody who and this was this was actually used as a negative by line managers I had that I wear my heart on my sleeve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes. I'm, that I'm open to talk about yeah. relations, uh, emotions rather. Yeah. And um, those, knowing that actually you, you weren't able to tell your team leader at the time, I say thankfully this was very early on in my career, but yeah. you weren't able to tell your team leader, I'm not feeling it today because of X, Y, Z. Yeah, yeah. Because A, they didn't want to hear that. Yeah, yeah. B, it wasn't that in psychologically yeah, yeah. safe environment. And see, even if they did, they they had no way of being able to help me kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. move through that or talk about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this, 
how then does this you then take this wonderful phrase, such yep. psychologically safe space, mm. open communication, and you mentioned at the outset this investment in your in your leadership team. What did that look like? How do you help people? Sure. So it's uh, it, that is a, a cultural change, and that takes time. It's not something that you can say right in six months' time you create this place. And I don't think that we're with a hundred. Watch this video. Yeah, exactly. Five minutes yeah, later, no, exactly. <laughs> it, it, it's not. It's a couple of mantras. Go away. Make it happen. It, it, it doesn't happen that way. Uh, and I think it's you know having a certain amount of stability there, ensuring that people know and realise uh, uh, and understand fundamentally what um, the leadership team are trying to to achieve. And um, creating a kind of environment where people feel free that they can they can speak up. I give you an example. Insofar as uh, uh, you know, I go around and say hello to people uh, in the morning, and I say how are you. So, which is kind of yes, indeed, it's a social opener, mm -hmm. and people may feel that okay, you know, all he wants to hear is yeah, everything's fine. Yes, of course, I do want to hear that. But equally, if someone says, well, you know, what well, things aren't going too well at the moment, then that's great. And I think, you know, three years ago, we started it off by doing things like management coffee mornings and things like very slowly. So people, you know, if people had an issue and it was really encouraging them to speak to line managers rather than come to myself first, feel open to speak about uh, feel open to, you know, to speak about that. And now I can see that there's a change where I can see people having those conversations. Fewer things are escalating unnecessarily too quickly. And also people feel free at the same point. If I say, how are you? And I say, you know what, it's not going too well today. And in front of other people, these are the reasons. And you know, to start off with, oh, I'm sorry to be a pain. Yeah. Oh, no, you're not yeah. a pain. And now yeah. we need to know these kind of things. Uh, it could be trivial. It could be extremely important. But then afterwards, you obviously have to ensure that you know, you're doing something about it. Even if there is no action, take, go back and say, right, okay, this is what I've done. This is what we can do. This is what we can't do about it. And I feel that uh, you know there's a consistent approach through all, throughout all the leadership team there, the supervisors, the team leaders, or whatever we want to call them, uh, the managers. And now I, be, I, I believe that there is an understanding that that is our culture. It's becoming more ingrained. Mm. But as I say, it's, 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 it's a journey, and it could go wrong at any time, uh, it, but it it's always needs to, to, to be controlled and kept an eye on and work with very closely. Mm. And you guess you're, you're going to have a variation of just people that will take to it and just be very good at it yep. and people that will need more coaching to be able to ha feel comfortable having those conversations as, as the manager as well. Absolutely, indeed, yeah, this is it. And, and I think this is where if you look at how uh, contact centre activity has changed over the past 20 years, before it was transactional completely transactional and now it's about engaging with the customer but it's, it's the same with uh, line management as well yeah. you know it is you know people want a sophisticated open conversation between adults they don't want a transactional I bought this I don't want it kind of got you know conversation where it, you know it becomes uh, attritional uh, and it can escalate so you know in terms of the kind of skill set that you need within a modern contact center it's not okay I can pick up the phone and I can undertake a transaction it is that I can adapt my approach uh, I'm emotionally intelligent I hear what someone's saying and I can provide a complex 
um, uh, versatile answer to someone which will leave them going away feeling satisfied with that or even extremely satisfied and an advocate of what is happening and that is equal there is a symmetry between that uh, employee experience and the customer experience mm. and I think that's what uh, in our centre we've tried hard over the last three years to, to, to ingrain that everything that we're asking people in the front line to do we have to uh, walk the talk uh, with, uh, with, with our colleagues uh, as well. So no stripes, yeah, you walk the talk. Well, I think um, it's safe to say that it's been, you've had a great deal of success, that the, mm. your methodology is, uh, has worked. And as you kind of strode the, the stage at the British Library <laughs> last, uh, yep. last November in front of, what, 300 people, 350 people, isn't it? Yeah, thanks for, thankfully it's quite dark, so you can't really see everybody. <laughs> it just looks like you're standing in front of a cinema trying to grapple for your seat. So here's the... a question. Did you have somebody from the British Library talk to you? Did you know when you went upstairs and got your microphone done? Yeah. Um, because I had a tough act. I, I actually spoke the same year, didn't I? And I That's followed right, you. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. some guy asked me if I needed something to put on my head because of the light shining off my Oh, my goodness. No. Oh, actually, like no, no, no. I think I would have remembered that. If not, I'm trying to block it out and I'm in denial. <laughs> but um, so you, it, I'm going to now list <clears throat> the awards that you um, and your team have, yeah. have won. And um, we've got the best social media offering, and that was from the European um, Customer Service and uh, Contact Centre and Customer Service Awards. Yep. The Silver Award for Best Large Contact Centre, also at the Exas. Yep. Um, and also Best Home Working Programme for the UK Awards. So that must have been a great kind of moment for the you know bringing in those trophies for the team and yeah no absolutely it was really good I where think do we start which is which well, is the one you got first was it, was it, the, the it was the social media one and that was really the first time we pushed uh at, well we felt confident enough to push uh, ourselves forward and uh, it was my predecessor he said oh listen it's really good it'll be a great boost for the teams if we win this uh, so uh it was great we went in and we actually uh, got it i think we first year we did the second year we uh we did uh, and it was a great event uh, uh, for the teams, and that gave us a little bit of uh, confidence to to push forward um, for the, the the large contact centre category. And then we uh, equally last year as well, we thought with what we've achieved with homeworking, uh, that that is something that we could uh, uh, push us. And I'd like to thank you because you were one of the judges. Uh, <laughs> yeah. you, know, you, were, you were one of the judges as well, which he, was great. I'm just really interested in the um, so you know that kind of that that moment when you went. We, we've got something yep. here. Was there any kind of sense of, do you sometimes think, oh no, we haven't, and you get in your own way, or what was that kind of? Yeah, I, th I think uh, it's... Because it's there really might be people out there now thinking, we think we've got something, what should we do? What would be... Yeah, no, but I say? think, I, I mean, go for it, really go for it, because the good thing is, you know, first year that we put something for, we didn't get it, and we got some good feedback, and that was really great. That's critical. Yeah, it? that's good, mm. and it's good feedback. 
Uh, and there's, there's always positives to take, uh, take out of that, and, and it does really help you. The judges, I'm not just saying because you're a judge, but the judges are great. Uh, and, and Thank they you do, very much. Yeah, I know, that's right. There's <laughs> nothing yeah, really. <laughs> so, uh, but they're, they're really great, and they do give you know, good feedback. They're industry professionals. They know what they're talking about, and then it does help you. So if at first you don't succeed, uh, so it's great recognition you know, for the team. And the fact that you put the team forward is because you feel confident that you've got something. And I think it's to, to have that narrative there as well I think the judges want to hear well we all have a good story yeah what's the story you know indeed yeah. it's you know a good story a little bit of joined up thinking um, you know don't get too bogged down in the detail but you know think you know what's it done for the customer what's it done for your people and I think if you've got those two elements in there and there's a story that kind of links it up and it makes sense then you know I think you're onto something good mm. so you know always do it even if you've got the slightest of doubt just, you know just do it and if it doesn't work out that year, then take the feedback and then do it again next year. Mm. It's, it's a great experience. And even, um, you know, when you don't win and you, you go to the awards event, it's great. It's a nice, it's a nice night out for the team. I mean, the, yeah, I mean, the whole process, I'd recommend that to anyone in a contact centre yeah. world. We all want to know um, where we're at, what we're doing. Uh, exactly. And in a really nice, structured, friendly way, yeah. but very clearly you get a sense of where you're at, yep. maybe what you need to work on, exactly. and also just how you kind of, like you say, you've hit the nail on the head around, how do you tell you, you know, what's the story that, you, yeah. that you're gonna tell? And um, maybe we can just take them in order then. So for, the, for um, social media, hmm. What was it? What, what, what did you do? Where were you at and where did you end up to get the award? So if you look at, um, uh, this is going back, and things are a little bit difficult, different now from social media, but Air France and KLM at the time had very different offerings in terms of social media. KLM, years ahead, I mean, they've been really at the forefront of uh, the social media offering for ages. If you go to lots of conferences, it's people from KLM coming over and showing what a great service it is, and, and it's great, and it, they really use it as a, a complete tool. Um, but... Uh, Air France, uh, we started it a little bit afterwards, and uh, so what we tried to do is create a really good uh, customer offering. Just we decided, uh, we t we went to a couple of conferences uh, and we heard from someone and say, listen, if you do social media, just make sure that you don't push people from pillar to post and just take ownership of it. And then we mm. kept that to the heart of what we what we offered at the time. Mm. So one stop shop concept. And it was trying to, to, to create, if you like, from, it was absolutely anything that could be asked, but if ever, whatever could go wrong on a, on, a, on a plane journey, which are innumerable <laughs> things yeah. that can go wrong um, all over the world in different stations, uh, you know, different questions that come through, you need to have your uh, uh, repository of information or you know where to go and get it. So that effectively is making this kind of like global village, if you like, of, uh, uh, of ambassadors that could share information globally and we could have access to that information as a priority. So for example, you had certain questions like, can you tell us what the name of the pesticide is that you spray in the cabins when you go from this destination to that destination? I wouldn't know how to get that. Ask someone in social media, they know the person that can get it and then within a very short period of time, they come back. Wow. But, and it was lovely to see someone ranting and raving at the beginning of a tweet or a post mm. and then you, you, you had for the team afterwards they would you know within a few hours you would turn that round and someone would be an advocate and I think that was it you had your story there yeah with maybe just a couple of posts or tweets mm. where you've taken someone who's absolutely irate you could offer them really personal 
really intimate and engaging interactions, engagements, and, and turn them from someone who's really irate into an advocate. Mm. And some emotional stories as well, you know, mm. because it's, it's about travel. Yeah. It's re the, the great thing about being in the airline industry is it, it's emotional because mm. you're either you know, going for business and it's extremely important, or it's a holiday. Mm. Uh, so either way, you're looking forward to it or you're apprehensive. So emotions are high one way or the other. So it's easily to emotionally, or it's easier to emotionally engage with someone rather than if it were insurance, for example. No disrespect to insurance, yeah, but yeah. you're know, getting customer excited, mm. like, yeah, you're taking mm. that insurance. So uh, it, it's quite easy to engage. And what's great with all the people that I work with, they're, they're absolute geeks and nerds when it comes to travel. They're amazing. I hate flying. That's my big... Really? Yeah, and I hate it. Really? I can't stand it. They love it. They're going all over the place. There's magnets up all over the free zone. They've been to these places. Otherwise, me, I'm going to Dorset next week. It's, 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 <laughs> I, I, I'm slightly ashamed to say it. But, um, you know, and I think that is contagious. And customers can feel that. Mm. And it was very tangible, very palpable in social media. And as I say, it, it, it was like a great story. taking the pulse instantly, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, indeed. And the two people that did presentation with uh, for, for the awards, you know, you just can't let them get on with it. They, the, the, it came across. Yeah. And and so it was. That was kind of it was an easy sell. Engaged, passionate it. professionals talking about uh, something they love. Exactly, exactly, indeed. Mm. So and and you can see it, and it kind of clicks, and you think, yeah, we, we kind of got something. Even if we don't win this one, we know what the message is out there. Uh, and, and, and we did a we, we did a good job with that. I want to talk about this, but you just mentioned something there that I just want to yeah. ask you about. Um, not just through social media, but through the contact center and the contacts you're having with customers, that emotional kind of thing, because people aren't just going from A to B, are they? It's no. either it's a business meeting or where there's more emotion, I guess, will be it's a trip of a yeah. lifetime, potentially. That brings pressure for your guys and how exactly. they handle it. Exactly. Have you, how do you prepare people for that? Well, I think, you know, I, when we get new people in, so I go and see them on the first day and various other people and say, listen, you know, customer service is the most amazing and brilliant thing you can get into and sometimes it can be the most frustrating thing to be in as well because you can be in situations where you, you can do everything in your power but the person at the other end of the line is not going to be satisfied and it's even more so for, 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 for airlines. But they know this already mm. because they, you know, they've had experiences like that as well. So I'm not sure if you can prepare people 100% for that, but I think you know, people don't go into it with, uh, with, with, with their eyes closed either as well. They realize that it's gonna be a bit of a roller coaster sometime. But I always say that you know, when you have someone who has been completely demoralised, and it could be, you know, a few years ago with the um, the volcano, yeah, and people were stranded and you couldn't take off, and people found, out, you know, you can't do anything for them. There's nothing you can do, mm. but if you can, you know, change their perception in any way, shape, or form, or just be there for them, uh, then you know you've done your job, you know, mm -hmm. and that is very rewarding. And I think that there are lots of jobs where it's very difficult to find things that are perhaps, you know instantly rewarding but I think with customer service you can get that instant reward mm. as well that kind of buzz when you think that has gone really well that person has been 
uh, extremely satisfied. And particularly with things like instant survey and things like that, where you get that instant feedback from the customer which comes back straight away, uh, and that gives you a buzz and a boost. I know in management, I'm, you know, it, it's very rare that it comes along where you know, yeah, you, <laughs> you know, you're going, you're high fiving people, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, indeed, exactly. So, uh, so yeah, indeed. So I think that there's, you know, great positives, but with the great positives, also, you know, there's going to be some, you know, as I say, it's a bit of a roller coaster sometimes. Has there been any specific have you, in this kind of your role in the industry? Have has how customers interact with you changed significantly in that time or? Um, for so the the centre, yeah, yeah. Just well, in terms of in the in the travel industry or the, mm. in the airline specifically, how customers are interacting with your team members. Have you seen great changes, or there is is it, is it predominantly stayed the same? It, still with loads of challenges, you know. Yeah, but. no, indeed. Well, I mean, I think it, uh, obviously channel shifts and uh, the nature of the calls ha- has changed as well. I think something which is which has become a little bit unnerving and unsettling, uh, and something that I don't like, is uh, when it comes. We we look after um, claims, complaints, and uh, also compliments as well. We do get them. Uh, that's a bit of a growth industry because EU legislation is EU 261, which means that if a flight is delayed over a certain period of time, you have got a sizable amount of compensation, you know, which is great, mm-hmm. and, we, and we work with that. But uh, intermediaries, uh, like just with PPI and things like that, have come into that, which means that you don't interact directly with the customer sometimes, where you want to interact with them to try and get them back on board and use your flights uh, mm-hmm. you know, again and try to, to, to create that loyalty. But then you've got these uh, intermediaries that come in which really just want to turn everything back to a transaction. Uh, and, th- and threat right. of legal as well. And you know, if we have to pay something, you know, we pay it. it yeah. there, there's, there's no issue. But we'd like the opportunity to actually engage with the customers and explain it to them, give that, give that to them, but uh, make it a more personal. But that there's that kind of barrier that's been put 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 in it, the way. It's kind of, well, so it's, artifi- it's, it's, it's totally artificially artificial. created, right? Totally it's artificial. Let us deal with the airline. What's the benefit to yeah, the customer? Indeed, I don't yeah. get it. And, and I can appreciate. I'm sure that there are slightly more unscrupulous operators out there that you know don't want to give compensation and sometimes it, it, they should do I'm sure that maybe barriers happen, to that or whatever exactly yeah, so there is a need perhaps for these you know players to come in and, and help the, the customer out I totally get that uh, but you know when you say okay we are going to represent these people you need to use a portal to be able to do this it's totally artificial mm. um, and it ends up taking perhaps a longer period of time as if you pick up the phone to the customer or the customer picks up mm. the phone to you you have a conversation you have a chat you know, give your apologies you know you f- find out what the what people really want give them their compensation obviously if it's due uh, and you know that's, that's far more fruitful for mm. everybody I feel it's a little short-sighted doesn't it if yeah. it's all just about Oh great! The clock's just ticked over for my delay. I can put. It yeah, in my yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And I say I can, you know, understand that there is a need, a need for that, and to keep airlines on the straight and narrow, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but then the, the, those third parties, intermediaries, come in. I think that that takes away slightly the, the the pleasure of being in the industry. And then we have had to kind of adapt mm. processes. Uh, which is, some, I mean, it's a necessary evil, obviously, to be efficient. But uh, you know, creating processes in order to make a transaction—it seems like we're going back a step, not moving forward. It's not very mm. progressive. Mm. It again, but it's a, it's another challenge. And if your if your commitment to delivering customer service through engaged employees yeah. that doesn't change at all, does it? You're, no, you, no, you'll, no, find, no. You'll, you'll find a way. Absolutely, yeah. Um, 
so now we move on which which came uh, was it the best large contact center yep that was in the middle so was it that the social media one you thought yeah come on let's do let's go for the because yeah. that other one's more all in, that's more encompassing right that's yes indeed uh, and that one that was I, I had slight doubt I, I wasn't 100% convinced with the narrative we had on that particular occasion it was kind of we're almost there but there's a few things that are not entire but we got the silver awards so I think that was fair to be yeah, honest well, it's yeah, great it. I mean that's yeah that's saying, you know, silver it across all of Europe yep. in a one of probably the most inundated categories there is. Yeah, that was nice. It was that was really nice, absolutely. <laughs> and then um, best homeworking program, and that's something where, um, yeah, as as a judge, we were just actually blown away by you, but also how you how you brought your homeworkers into the um, process. Uh, on, yeah, on the on the iPad, and I was a little bit frightened there because I didn't think that you know technically I thought we might have been let down, and I think oh well, that doesn't that doesn't bode well. But in fact it worked. So we had uh, Victoria and Georgina that were working from home at the time, and they could tell you about their experiences from you know from working from home, and that was something that we were really proud of. And I was quite confident with that one because I felt it was a it was a good story. So far as we got you know fifty percent uh, of our people have the opportunity to work from home. Uh, regularly we're very flexible with it uh, and we feel now that you know uh, I think at the time that we did it homeworking was a, a, a nice to have but now it's a, you've, you've kind of got to have it now mm. I think it's it's one of those things that you have to offer if you want to attract and retain uh, the talent of colleague and the, the type of colleague that you need for those more complex transactions and you want to you know to continuously deliver uh, excellent customer service. You have to keep y you know, your good talent. So attracting it and retaining it, you need to offer more flexibility. The people, uh, people, just like our customers, they want choice. Mm. Uh, not saying you have to work from home or you have to work in the office. How do you want to work? So we've kind of sorted out the where, and that works really well. I think uh, one of the constraints in the contact center environment is is, is the when as well so if you've got a kind of real-time activity you know you, you you've got not got much choice the customers there and now maybe with defer time activity things are a little bit more flexible and you can offer a little bit more flexibility and that's something that I think that we have to work at and that's our next dimension that I'd like us to, to to explore in terms of what flexibility we can offer in terms of when and what we've seen last year we worked with um, uh, we had to upscale quite a bit because there was quite a bit, uh, uh, quite a few claims that come came in on the back of some uh, uh, industrial uh, disputes last year. So we had to flex up uh, a little bit, and we got a, a lot a of short time scale and a short time scale. Mm -hmm. And that was our home working model that really helped us with that because uh, we opened up a pop up shop down the road, set it up as a home working environment, and then we brought in probably about sixty to seventy uh, people with bespoke training and got them up and running within a, a couple, all of them within a couple of months. So that offered us a great amount of flexibility. Say so that again. So they, they would come. They came to the pop up. Yep, we came up to this pop up shop that we created. Yep. To be initiated to go through induct. What had so we did the training there, yeah. and then they worked from there as well. Oh, they, they were there for a temporary, a short period of time to help us through this, you know, uh, unforeseen increase in uh, activity. Uh, so we gave them bespoke uh, training, really pared down, mm. uh, which the teams did a great great job uh, putting together. HR 
amazing. Uh, managed to get all these people in. Uh, HR manager still hasn't got over it. He's, <laughs> he's still recovering. <laughs> Rocking somewhere. Yeah, no, indeed, absolutely. Uh, and and uh, the ops team were, were, were great uh, in getting it up and running. And it really did help the company uh, as a whole and our customers to, to ensure that they got their reply with the least amount of impact uh, following these really exceptional circumstances. And was that the first time that you'd utilised that? I've never heard of that. That sounds fascinating. Yeah, no, it was the first time we used it. Um, it um, just an idea that popped in the head purely on the back of our homeworking. And uh, it was a head of ops at the time that said, well, you know, you, it's a homeworking environment. All you need is a router. He went down the shop, bought a couple of Google routers, and that's it. We obviously had to, you know, find a place to get into, but a little bit place like this, mm. uh, you know, with a flexible working environment. Um, again, you can stay for a month, two months. That was totally flexible. Uh, rented laptops, uh, so everything went back afterwards as well. So it all collapsed on itself after it was gone, and we just folded it away and then uh, and then moved on. And so that was great for us, uh, mm. great for the business, great for the customer. But um, I think what was the eye-opener then was that people that we were attracting were, you know, people that were wanted to come and work for us for just a very short period of time. They were a lot younger. They had other things going on in the background. This nine-to-five, or it's not nine-to-five within a contact centre, but, you know, this uh, old perception that we have of what work is, uh, it doesn't exist or didn't exist to these particular people. Uh, as it did to us, they want more flexibility. They've got other things in the background. They've got their own businesses they're running. Uh, you know, they've got their own interests. Uh, and they're studying all of these things. These are the people that are going to come into the workplace, or will be in the workplace, or um, more prevalent within the workplace. How do we attract them? Mm. That talent, uh, particularly, we're a multilingual contact centre. With Brexit coming, or not as the case may be, we don't know. Uh, if the worst comes to the worst, it's a hard Brexit, and then you've got your multilingual talent does not come anymore. We, our business model of ensuring that we attract and retain talent is going to be more important than ever. So we have to be ready for that. So we've done the where with the homework and giving people flexibility. Uh, then maybe there's something that we can do with the when as well, in terms of trying to accommodate uh, people's uh, desire to work peculiar in inverted commas hours or non-conformist I, I think that's a, I mean it's a huge topic it's one we you're very keen to talk about as well and yeah. I, I want to hear from you on that because <clears throat> over and above where I work now we have the same challenge we're multilingual yeah and people um, both the attraction and the retaining of people in whatever guise that is yeah from a, how they want to work length of time they want to work where yeah um the retention of them and the engagement of them yeah. is, a, is, a, is a new challenge, I guess, isn't it? Absolutely, totally. And this is, you know, it, it, again, from a leadership perspective, you know, our leadership team have to be aware that that is how we need to operate. And also as well in terms of being, you know, having your finger on the pulse of employee satisfaction and those people metrics is critical. So before where maybe an employee satisfaction survey came once or twice a year, that's not good enough. So we do the big one once a year, 
we touch in uh, fast not furious I think HR team call it rather good I'm sure there's some, cop <laughs> some copyright issues there <laughs> later uh, and also furiously every day fast. furiously fast <laughs> yeah. yes and there is um, uh, also we invite people at the end of the day to tell us what their their mood is at the, at the end of the day so it's a green or a red button and they and they tell us what their mood is and we can chart that and we can look at customer satisfaction at the same time as well. So that we obviously, see, you know, when everyone's having a good day, customer satisfaction is, you know, tip top. If there's a little dip, then, you know, customer satisfaction takes a little bit of dip as well. So that there is that symmetry. There is that correlation. So, you know, there's twofold in terms of measuring employee satisfaction, making sure that you can track when your customer, you know, just to see what the correlation is sometimes when your customer satisfaction goes down. Is that linked to how your employees are feeling? And also making sure that you're, you're keeping your people and you can identify where things are going wrong. I think we had a little bit of a, a restructure of one of our teams this time last year, and you could see it. You could see that the mood was going down because there was a bit of uncertainty, et cetera, mm. et cetera. So it was about those um, leaders from that team pinpointing, identifying that, looking at that, and then having the conversations with their team saying, okay, we know that something's going wrong here. What can we do? So uh, that is extremely important for us. It's kind of two-dimensional data, red and green, but... If you've well, got enough that, data. Yeah, even that kind of, how that's, how you've um, verbalized that kind of, people were looking at KPIs that certainly when we started, yeah, no yeah. one would have been looking at something like that. No, 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 no. Maybe someone would have instinctively said, yeah, the, the team are going to be going through some change. So they're probably yeah. not feeling great. But you, you just said that people would be looking at the kind of, hold on mood started to dip it's not it's not going well yeah indeed but uh, i mean again that's a cultural change that like we set that out and then people weren't looking at that to start off with so let me i'm not painting yeah. a rosy picture that yeah. yeah everyone you know we're high-fiving say great we got it right it's a cultural change and getting people to look at that as one of their key metrics as well as what the customer is saying because they are inextricably linked that is a change that really needs to be you know repeated and in ground and make sure that there is a ingrained rather and to show that to know that there is a not just paying lip service to it but actually making that live and breathe on a day-to-day -day basis i don't think we're 100 percent there but that's the journey that we're taking currently uh, i say you know that red and green it's not the most sophisticated you know, employee satisfaction measure but it does give you a flavor of what's happening and it's not you know, people aren't completely surveyed out by it at the same time. And how, um, I guess it's the same as you want people not to again, whether that report is something that just, yeah, yeah, I see it every day, don't need to look at it now. How do you keep it fresh, you know, because it's yeah. what it's telling them what action they need to take again, is that another, another part of this is, well, how do, I, how do I improve the mood yeah, exactly. No, indeed. So it is, uh, and I think part of that is the, behind it is the dialogue that happens afterwards. It is, you know, speaking to people and ensuring that you get to, to the bottom of that. And also you want that to happen as well. It's a virtuous circle because when people feel, okay, I press the red button, it's happened over a period of time and things are going down, people are having conversations, I can see that something's being done, I'm going to do that again. So you do constantly have to keep it fresh because if yeah. you've only got like 10 people doing it every day, then you can't do anything with that data. Yeah. So um, we, there, there's one guy at work, one of, the, one of the leaders has put one guy on kind of door duty <laughs> at the end of the day. And it's like, 
don't forget on the way out not in an intimidating yeah, way whatsoever yeah. he's on holiday at the moment i swear the amount of people doing it has gone down because he's not there to remind people but he's just trying to find innovative ways you know and fun ways to just to try and make sense listen and i think there was a lot of skepticism about employee satisfaction surveys you don't do anything you know what has yeah. this happened so there there has to be this kind of you know we said you know you said we did kind yeah. of attitude that has to be uh, visible for people and you don't have to wait for once a year to do that you can do that on a, on a on a regular basis and if your leadership team is there on the floor and people are talking to you even without having a red or a green button people can actually come up to you and say you know what this isn't going too well at the moment can you do something about it then you will be judged on your ability to actually do that or if you can't do that give the feedback and tell people why because it's nuanced as well isn't it because I can remember getting feedback from people saying you ours actually was just unhappy and happy faces yeah 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 um but the feedback would be actually i'm kind of on an even keel and generally happy all the time but yeah. i don't get any attention because yeah. it's going to all the people that are registering unhappy yeah, yeah. faces that are, you know either going through constant dramas or just generally a yeah. bit yeah yeah indeed yeah so that that kind of nuanced leadership challenge yeah. that people will have to be able to balance Exactly. Uh, it is. It's nuanced. It's all about human interaction. It's never easy. It's never black and white. You're always operating in the grey. And it's the same with the customers. And that's why anyone that has, that's in a contact centre has to be emotionally intelligent. You have to be able to read, to listen. That's not read. You have to be able to read people, to listen to, to people, to understand, to actually hear what they're saying. Uh, and then deliver on some tangible uh, you know, actions or something that which, which is going to improve that um, uh, experience for uh, the, either the employee or also the, the customer. Have you seen that change in your time in the, in the industry then from what were the things that led people to be in leadership positions previously and what's needed now? So I think previously, uh, I can remember it when I first, you know, first it was about, you know, it was about knowledge. It really was who's got the best knowledge and it was and everyone would say oh yeah you're gonna go for that position because you know you know lots of stuff and I think it still happens to a certain extent uh, and, and it's not about that you know uh, anymore it, you know it is about uh, you know it's, it's about the how uh, and operating in the grey area and being able to improvise and to to engage and quite simply that's can be anything from saying hello in the morning to people uh, not everybody's a morning person but tough if you're a leader <laughs> you gotta say hello to people yeah. you know people got to see smiley faces they're gonna see genuine faces they got to see people that are having fun that inspire uh, and yeah if you've got the knowledge as well you know what it's a bonus but the knowledge can be taught mm. uh, and I think people will have uh, respect for for, for the for the line managers is that if they see that someone that may not have the answer but knows where to get it, can guide people, can coach people, even to get that answer themselves and can uh, you know, open them up and get them to crack it without them having to do it. And I think that is key uh, and that is very different from definitely from when I started. And I would be the first one, you know, I was the first one to say when a posi you know, position came up for a supervisor in the team that I was in, you know, ah, uh, oh, you've got to go for it, you know, you're the best person for it, you know, you know everything, you know, mm. you are the oracle. Yeah. Uh, and I was just equally as guilty as, you know, saying, oh, that would be the best person for that. And uh, now, you know, very wrong. I guess you can't, you can't ever dismiss that, can you? Because, um, however, so I say you can't dismiss it, but I yeah. would say, I bet you'd be confident of taking a leadership position in a totally different industry. 
Um, yes, I'm open to offers. <laughs> I didn't say that. I love it. Um, no, uh, yeah, no, I think so. This is it. Exactly. No, totally. Uh, but it's great because you, then you learn about something uh, completely new at the same time. Mm. The, 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 the consistent is that leadership aspect. Absolutely. And that's the concept, isn't it? It's a concept of leadership. Yep. Because you're leading people. Yeah. What they're doing and the customers they're interacting with can be totally different yeah. and has its own challenges, nuances directs you in different ways, has yeah. different requirements, all of that kind of stuff. Nonetheless, yeah. you're dealing with people. Exactly. That remains a constant. And I think in that particular instance, the first thing you've got to do is you've got to go and you've got to spend time with the people working at the sharp end because they will tell you what they're doing. They will show you what they're doing. They will say, this is what we need. Mm. And that is the best insight that you can, that you can get. Mm. And so for any leaders, you, you have to do that. If you're f more removed from what's actually happening there, that's going to be bad for you. You need to know what's going to go on. You need to be hearing what's going on, listening. I love, love the fact that our line managers uh, and our leaders, they do spend a lot of time side-by-siding with their mm. people. And that is the best coaching, the best feedback that they can get. And we've seen our customer satisfaction scores go um, rocket skywards because of that. And I'm really proud of the team for, for what they've done there as well. Because mm. it's been a, a tr tremendous, because part of that is, is totally cultural. Mm. It wasn't, you know, the, you know, the listening to the calls afterwards and then sending through a coaching package. It was actually sitting down with people. And it really puts a smile on my face when I see, you know, someone, you know, those two people sitting side by side doing mm. doubles, you know, laughing, you know. Uh, uh, I, I did one uh, a couple of weeks ago. Um, so all, all different um, uh, activities, but I did one that was the sales and service line, and um, it was all in Spanish. I don't speak Spanish, but I had a great time listening to it. I kind of understood what was going on. She was great. Uh, my colleague that I was sitting with, Victoria, she was very good, and uh, you know it was it was really good fun. And that kind of engagement, I think, is good on, on both sides as well, because mm. you see exactly you know what is happening. You hear it, and then you can you know give that feedback I I in both ways. One of the things I'd say actually from doing some doing some judging, I, I've always felt, and it'll be interesting to see what you think about this, you should be able to walk into any contact centre, if you just stand at the end of the centre yeah. and be able to identify who are in leadership positions. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah, indeed. Yeah, I don't, you know what, I, do I want people to recognise that? I'm not too sure now, actually, if I want people to know. I, I, th I would quite like... I wouldn't want anyone to come in and say, oh, yeah, that guy's in charge of the centre. Right. Because I, uh, you know, I, but at the same point, you know, I think you need your team to realise, mm. you know, that they're, you know, that this is, the, that's, that's the go-to person. I was saying that's the team managers and the team uh, as well. So, yeah, I know, I'm kind of split on that one, actually, I must admit. I think more about, so you should be able to identify your team managers. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. So you, you can mean. say, oh, there's someone there that's like, engaging with their team yeah, who's yeah. doing side-by-side -side yes, coaching. Yes, I see what you mean, yes. So they're not so. just, it's not hard to distinguish, yeah. well, who, where's the leaders? Who yeah, are they? Exactly. Because then maybe they're walking around. Not, I'm not like ringing a bell, high-fiving or whatever. But yeah, yeah. More, <laughs> maybe. Is that, is that um, what you do? <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> throwing balls around. Um, and I guess it would be really interesting to pick your brains on then this concept of today, yep. the challenge then of attracting and retaining mm. talent yep. in the contact center environment mm. with everything that you've talked about in terms of 
people having side hustles, being entrepreneurs, being studying, mm. wanting different things. What does that actually mean for us and people listening now in, in the contact center? How has that changed? How are we going to yeah. deal with that? Well, I think, yeah, so it's, it's, it's kind of on three dimensions in terms of the what, in terms of what we do, that has changed. We've spoken about it, the complexity. So the, the, the profile of the person we're looking for is, is, has completely changed as well. Uh, and do people with that kind of profile want to go in uh, into contact centres with any negative connotation mm. that wrongly uh, that that might have so that's yeah. that's the that's the first barrier that we've got yeah. uh, you know some people might say oh, I'll do this for six months I don't really want you to do it for six months I want you to make a career out of it you know yeah. I want you to say you can go uh, from someone in the front line yeah. to, 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 to running the center you know you can make a career out of that uh, and there are many things that you can do you can be a technical expert uh, you could be a leader, you know, all of these things. That, Training, you know, finance, whatever. Absolutely, you know, yeah. it's all possible. Yeah. It's a whole microcosm of, you mm. know, uh, of, yeah. of, a, uh, of any business uh, under one roof. Uh, so you want to try and, uh, and communicate that firstly, that is, that, you know, that is uh, a possibility. Um, so there's two things that you can do. We've spoken about the where, giving people flexibility. Ultimately, people want the flexibility to be able to balance and juggle their lives, and that's what we felt. We've seen that uh, have great uh, uh, um, positive uh, impact on our metrics. Absenteeism for us is well, it's a, not a, quite a negative metric, but it's two, three percent, and it has been at that for quite some time as well. So we, you'll get the input. You know, people want to be at work; mm. they're having fun, mm. uh, as well as delivering excellent customer service. Uh, and staying our, our uh, uh, turnover is about 12% and has been for like a bit fluctuates between 10 and 12%. So you're getting in that fresh blood and at the same time you're keeping you yeah. know, core people. Average experience is about nine years. Wow. So that's where we want to keep that. So that was, I think the where has helped us with that. Mm. The when we spoke about very briefly in terms of saying how can you you know change you know uh, you, you can meet the customer demands by also offering extra flexibility in terms of when people do that still some unanswered questions there but things that we're looking uh, into but also getting people to realize that it's a fun dynamic workplace where people can progress uh, and get valuable uh, you know experience that they can take absolutely everywhere if they want, if if they so want to leave, but we'd like them to stay by the by the same token, and I think by being ahead of the curve when it comes to uh, those things, the where and the when, but also creating environments where it is a fun environment uh, to uh, you know to be in, where people feel that they've got this uh, psychological safety where they can talk openly about what they're feeling uh, in, uh, and very important when you're you know constantly in contact with the customer with all the vicissitudes that that mm. brings the ups and the downs uh, to be able to express people and feel that people care about you that there are well-being initiatives going on that there's a real dynamism and vibrancy about that environment that there isn't I think perhaps in any other kind of workplace yeah and the one thing that I really feel, and I'm going to shoot myself in the foot with the homeworking thing, is that I really don't want to go above the 50% is that with homeworking, if you go 100%, it kills all of that. 
So you give people flexibility, but you don't get that hub, that community, that vibe that you get when you walk into a contact center and you think, wow, something great is happening here from a customer service perspective. You absolutely kill it dead. So you have to be careful how you do that. Something that we've had to do is to ensure that those 50% of people that are working from home, using technology, uh, feel engaged with what's going on in the office as well. Mm. Uh, person in charge of our communications, Georgina, has done a great job with an app that we've got here that people can access on their desktop, but also on mobile. Content managers that constantly put in contact on there saying, this is going on in the office, and giving people a reason to come back into the office so that they can feel part of a community. We need to feel connected. Absolutely, uh, yes, humans, indeed. We? We're constantly told that we need to feel connected in a mm. digital age, but we do. But not only, I think, from not only digitally, but also in a very old-fashioned and basic way as well, yeah. in terms of that face-to-face -face, yeah. uh, interaction. And that is the inherent value of what we do in contact centres. Because I know we, you know, feel, oh gosh, we've got bots and AI and technologies there, but it's not a threat. If right. anything, it's made our industry more human mm. because when someone does come through to us, it's because they want a complex, complex interaction. They want to joke. Yeah. They want to, yeah. to, to, to interact. They want to yeah. engage. They want something which is uniquely human. And a contact center is an environment that is set up for that. And I think that is something that gives us reason to be cheerful about what we do. Mm. And I don't think that that was necessarily the case 20 years ago when we were transactional and maybe people didn't feel as fulfilled in mm. what they did because it was all about you know getting through the pile of transactions that we had to do so do you think um for the support functions maybe from a hr point of view well definitely mm. hr mm. people setting up operations in order to be able to to attract mm. Uh, a new, this energized, mm. flexible person and retain them, we're going to have to, they're going to have to work harder mm. uh, in terms of, and what I mean by that is I can remember in a, working for an outsourcer quite early on in management um, career and just dealing with a team of people going through life meant mm. that I, you were, I was bombarded, it felt like bombarded, mm. bombarded with requests for I want to change my hours. I want to do flexible hours mm. to, for my life, but I love working here, blah, blah, blah. Taking that to uh, next line of management and HR, genuinely people wanting to accommodate that, but saying we can't set precedent mm. because if we allow this person to work this, we don't cover this shift. Yeah. Do you think then part of the challenge for our industry is being able to find a way to accommodate the desire that new entrants have yeah. for a far more flexible approach. Oh, absolutely. You've, you've hit the nail on the head and it was, it's kind of very pertinent because we were having conversations last week on, the, on this very subject. Because um, uh, you know, uh, HR and ops have got to work very closely together. And workforce management, of course, as well. And workforce yeah. management as well. So, okay, yeah. what is the need? What can we do? But it's not it's working harder, it's working differently, mm. it's being more innovative in the ways that we look at things and maybe things that we didn't, you know, just challenge ourselves on the reasons why we said that we couldn't do things in the past. Do they still stand? Are they really insurmountable 
um, reasons for not doing you know doing things if we are a little bit more flexible what are we going to get back are we going to lose out on this but what are we getting in return uh, and I think then uh, we in the past it's been very it's been very black and white mm. it's a yes or a no mm. but now it's okay then where can we meet in the middle is there something that we can do open the dialogue have the conversations and try to work out you know what is the best for all parties uh, I think it just needs that kind of collaboration uh, kind of working in those grey areas again as, uh, and having something which is a slightly more sophisticated conversation and getting HR involved obviously workforce planning uh, and ops with the individual involved to say okay right we really want this to happen how can we make it happen and if it's not possible then a full explanation but maybe it'll be possible in the future mm. you know what the, you know are there things that we can do moving forward well you've already you already utilize homework but maybe you mentioned earlier how technology enhances our ability to connect as um, humans within the contact center world so technology is an enabler mm. is is potentially or can be used as a solution in order to accommodate yeah greater flexibility because I think this is genuine this is just overall is a challenge of solving a problem Absolutely. problem solving isn't it it's yeah. kind of how do we get creative about being able to Absolutely. offer this flexibility because yeah. it means that we'll retain people yep exactly and the things we kind of work in now I think lots of organizations have got this hybrid workforce where you've got people your your full-timers um, permanent contracts you've got temporary agency workers that are coming in we've got uh, outsourcers that they're helping us we've got technology if you put all those together you can utilize them in such a way where effectively you can be more flexible because you've got those backup solutions mm. you know how do you use them it's just thinking in a different way rather than in the silos these guys are doing this these guys are doing that how can you use that overall you know capacity if you like to better serve not only the customer but also uh, the people you, that you're working with your colleagues do you think it's it's going to be for our industry well you know we're in a, a co-working space right now recording yeah. this yeah and that's disrupted how people work there's yeah. people that have got permanent hot desks here yeah and you think of the speed with which these have kind of popped up everywhere yeah do you think that that is our that's the challenge for our industry in terms then of no i think we need to we need to embrace that because I, I think very sim this is a similar workplace to the one that we used last year to, to help us adapt mm. to uh, exceptional volumes. That was an opportunity for us and it worked really well. And I think there's been uh, a, a kind of, um, uh, definitely within our environment, an understanding, a belief that uh, an outsourced contact center uh, elsewhere in the world is far more adept at flexing up because mm. they haven't got the same constraints uh, as us. Mm. Okay, yeah, and that could possibly be true, but as you're right, technology and co-working spaces like this are also opportunities to show that you can do that mm. in a truly multilingual country uh, or city uh, and you can provide solutions for a company that perhaps those other outsourced uh, uh, providers can't actually do. And that is something that we proved to, to, to be true last year. So what for you, um, in terms of people, what does talent look like now? What, what, mm. What's the thing that kind of you go, yeah, this is, this is, these are the people that I want in my business? Yeah. So we, uh, before, and I said, our HR manager, whose name is Gary Barlow, uh, it's not 
He's not moonlighting. <laughs> Things have changed. It's just a different Gary Barlow. <laughs> but uh, he, he always says, you know, in the past, we don't care if someone worked for Kazakhstan Airlines in 1983. We don't look, we, it's, it's not that knowledge now. It's we recruit for character. And that's what it is. And the whole recruitment process now is, is fi about finding the character. It's about finding those individuals, those personalities, who can really make a difference for the customer and will integrate really well with the team and make both that colleague experience and customer experience a memorable one. And uh, obviously, recruitment selection processes and things are, you know, they're not, it's not a precise science. I mean, you don't, you know, get it wrong, but I think if you have uh, mechanisms in place to try and capture the, uh, you know, character, uh, people with those, those particular human skills, then that is something that I think can be a recipe for success. A Robbie Williams rather than Howard. Yeah, no, all. exactly, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> Although Howard was a talented uh, dancer, so. Uh, I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might be proved wrong. Um, so then once you've, what does that mean? What does that mean in terms of is it is it more investment from your team in the recruitment process through yep. finding out about the person over and above? Yeah, no, exactly. Tick, 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 tick. Indeed, and this is something that we see that, that it's a real kind of ongoing process and a modification every time we run a, a, a recruitment session. It's you know, so what are we you know, what is it that we're looking for? What's the first thing that we you know? What's the first thing that we should be looking for in there as well? And there's still kind of like a hankering to go back and say, oh, we need to test geography or you know something like that. Okay, yeah, I know things that are important that we can teach, but it's that kind of uh, integral human DNA that we need present, uh, which is more difficult to teach, if you like, which is the thing that we we really need to identify. So it's with every. Uh, subsequent recruitment session that we have, we, uh, the HR team along with ops, you know, give the feedback. How did that go? What was our retention level from that particular recruitment? What went wrong? How can we modify that moving forward? Because we don't always get it right. Even with that formula, you can't really guarantee that you get it right. But it's just kind of refining it every time to try and see what that magic formula is. And for the from the other side of the equation, then, mm. what is it that you think people are looking for in terms of? Um, wanting to work for you what do they what do they require of you mm. more so now than they did previously uh they want a human environment they want uh, a human environment is is uh, flexible um flexibility choice uh they, they they want these things i mean effectively you know people are shopping around they're, they're mm. shopping around for a job they they are customers shopping around uh, a recruitment process is just as much and you know this uh, uh, about an individual making a choice if that company and that workspace is right for them mm. as the, is the company choosing that individual as being right for their for, for their their environment so i think ultimately like any customer they want choice they want flexibility and those are the kind of things that we offer uh, or we need to offer to 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 make sure that we uh, attract that but also as well there has to be the recruitment process or that first it, it's a it's a showroom on that first day when someone comes in and you have to show that it is a dynamic open fun workplace and and you know oh gosh you know actually i actually want to quite kind of work here yeah i could picture myself right yeah here. i could yeah. I, I can see having myself fun. there and you know someone over there ha you know you know having you know, having a laugh or you know you know getting on with it and then people interacting and it being it, it being close the workspace that we got we're very lucky we've got a lovely workspace it's completely open 
there's no uh, kind of uh, separations. You are working there with your colleagues, uh, exchanging. Uh, you can move around if it's too much noise one area then you can just pick your laptop up and then go and plug in somewhere else so you're completely flexible to do that and I think that's also you know quite good as well because again it gives people choice gives people flexibility moving towards that particular setup though it's amazing that a lot of people still want a traditional working environment as well yeah. you know sound separation and things like that so that's something that we've had to to work on to modify to make sure that people you know feel comfortable adapting to that new new working environment because again it's not for everybody so let's talk about you now okay let's, um if you are, you have to be able to kind of pinpoint what are the core things about you hmm. that have seen you go through this career in this industry you love to the point you're at now and mm. onwards um, what would you put that down to what are the key things that you go yeah this is what I want to be known as and this is what's worked for me mm. and this is what I would share with other people sure um, as I say I think the, 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 the thing that I do regret and I know we shouldn't have regrets is just not moving into a contact center environment before because that allowed me to realize exactly what I like doing and in fact discovering a little bit more about myself and you know to realize that it is those human interactions that I like that you know uh, I uh, enjoy like yourself as well you know spoke at the beginning of when I went on that journey before I went to a contact center environment it was very much the advice was don't wear your heart on a sleeve you know mm. you're in a position of responsibility very much that kind of a, a, a approach going into a contact center wasn't so much like it's kind of just get on with it yeah uh, get on with it you know and you know be who you are and make sure that people realize that you know you are being who you are and not pretending to be someone else and uh, I think ultimately uh, you know that's uh, I think what's got me to where I am at the moment uh, in terms of you know ensuring that there is a kind of an honest and open approach uh, to everyday interactions within uh, environment with uh, customers, internal customers, uh, colleagues, uh, and making sure and hoping that people feel that as well. So, what would you? But what would you say your? Um, you go. You know your strengths in terms of. Um, it's turning into a job interview, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's right. I'm just. I just want to get. I just want to get kind of um, whether that's been key people or you know you know what I've just at times been open about XYZ or I've um I think it's just it's about being it's, it's adaptability and I think it's the same for, for for any anything as well you know things change on a regular basis okay firstly any change that comes along you've got to be able to adapt yourself and then you've got to help people adapt and to change that second part is not easy Mm. Okay. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't mind change. Change is not an enemy, but uh, it's it's getting a large group of people to accept change and the vision behind that change and the reasons there. And again, it's like anything else. If there is that narrative there, it makes sense. It's consistent, and people can understand. Then that is a journey which is a lot easier to take, and you do that as a team. Uh, not as individuals, but, uh, but as a team. So I think ultimately it is that that I think is a measure of, uh, of a certain amount of you know, success in that field. And there's been, um, there are people that listen to this, which is, which is nice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really? Great. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Mainly my family. Um, <laughs> but 
people that have listened to this who um, have been engaging around it's great to hear from people and hmm. um, that, are, that have spent time in, in the industry and achieved visible success I yeah, guess yeah. you know but we've all we, everyone's achieved something yeah. um, and just being a what would what message would you share to people that are maybe maybe starting the journey or they might be in a difficult position now and wanting to but still want to stay in the industry what what would you want to share with people uh, I think it's you know uh, stick with it but you, you have yeah yeah you have to kind of have a conversation with yourself to say you know is this is this what I really want to do and it's I think it's like those questions that you've just asked me you know okay what is it what are my skills you're doing very well in the interview by thank the way thank you very much oh, God. I don't know what it's job I'm, I don't know what job I'm going no, for no I've why okay okay <laughs> um, it's you know about knowing where your skills are and say in this particular environment it may not be at the moment but in the future will I be able to utilize those having have those conversations with those people around you as well uh, to try and get that knowledge of that and I think one of these the great tools for that and things that I think that we do a little bit more these days is 360 feedback just to mm. really kind of, you, you've got to be quite a kind of mature uh, operating environment to do that because 360 feedback can be a little bit brutal sometimes but then sometimes that's what you need to kind of eliminate those blind spots yeah and I think once you've got that visibility on that then you can make those choices so don't simply plug at something because someone's telling you to plug at it and you know if at first you don't succeed you know you've got to think is it compatible with what my key my core skill set is my, my, my core competencies because if it's not then you're going to struggle for ages to try mm. and change your DNA mm. to fit into some place and then people will realize that you're not being the person that you're supposed to be and then people see through that and again it's that kind of whole honesty thing it's and conflict credibility. as well as conflict that is creating even subconsciously yeah exactly isn't indeed, healthy. Yeah. no indeed uh, I think I, it's kind of I realized that you know working in sales that wasn't my environment and then suddenly fortunately getting a job in a contact and think wow yeah this is it mm. now I feel that I can you utilize mm. my key Mm. competencies, skill sets, whatever you like to call them, uh, actually discover what they are and then say, right, there, there, there may be a place for me here. Mm. And fortunately there was. <laughs> that, do you know that, that point around um, 360 is really insightful because I think it also comes back to something you said earlier about a kind of psychological safe place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I can remember the very first time as a contact centre manager, having a 360 yeah. uh, thing done, and at that point you think, you know, you think I'm really good. Uh, yeah, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is going to be just yeah. going to validate that, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, and my peer group absolutely crucified me. Yeah. Well, I even look at the language I'm using now. Crucified oh. me. They didn't. Yeah. They just reported how I turned up for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sure. that was a huge blind spot for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Because I was comfortable with my team, yeah. worked with my team, but very rarely collaborated with the other contact centre managers mm -hmm. in this huge organisation. And getting the 360 knocked me for six. Mm. However, I can look back now and go, that was a key moment. Yeah, yeah. That was a key yeah. moment in terms of, you know what, it was really uncomfortable and right. I fixated on that going, how could they? Yeah, exactly, I know. You know, yeah. but it was, it's been absolutely critical yeah. in developing that. What I would say though, is like the, like the environment you've created, it, it was kind of like 360's done, 
make these changes, get on with it. Mm. And it was like, well, no, I, I really need to talk to someone exactly. about this. You, need, you, you do need help and support. It, yeah. it's, you know, you're, kind of, you, you're laid bare at that particular point. I think it can, yeah. be, it, it can be quite overwhelming. And just to say, get on with it, it's not good enough. You need the support to be able to do that. Mm. And I've seen um, uh, circumstances uh, last year in, in particular with one individual who, who had a barrage of feedback all of a sudden just because they put themselves forward for, you know they, they yeah. st- you know they've been brave stuck their head against yeah. a, 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 out the power pit and, and went for things and had a barrage of, uh, of feedback and it was kind of having to offer you know support to say right okay it's a lot to take in and fair play to that person they really did uh, you know, it, take that on board and improve, but it needs the, the the right kind of coaching and support there to really try to get to get people. Through yeah, because you can't just deliver these. It's like anything; you can't deliver it in isolation and no, expect no, no, it to have not. a result. No. It's kind of like, well, we've given you a training course. Why aren't yeah. you actually now doing it? it well, no, that the, it needs that's context. That's only part of it. Yeah, it needs context. I, t- I had last time I had three hundred and sixty. Uh, it's overdue. It was about ten years ago. Uh, one of my line managers, because I had two at the time, uh, he knows who he is if he's listening. <laughs> Said uh, needs to tone down his shirts a bit. They were too Larry. <laughs> really? Yeah, I know exactly. Can you believe you, that? You, you're just a white. I mean, a white shirt today. But you know, sarts, I would score you high on sartorial elegance. Sartorially, it taught me a lot. So I've got a lot to thank him for. It's a white shirt now with a bit of colour though in the. There's collar. a bit of colour, yeah. but it, it was it was over the top at the time. <laughs> a- arabesque. When it comes to getting 360 feedback, that isn't bad though, is it? If that was... Well, you know, you... There, there was more shocking things on there, to be honest with you, but that's the thing that stayed with me. And so I guess um, just final, final messages. What would, you, what would you want to share? Oh my goodness, that's the killer question, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think so. Uh, really, uh, again, to, to repeat the thing, the, the, the real takeaways that I feel is that um, uh, in terms of offering a good competitive advantage now within a contact centre, uh, offering that uh, difference in terms of customer service, it is ultimately about the people. Uh, and new people are coming in, a new generation. Uh, choice, flexibility, the where and the when, uh, those are going to be the, the kind of battlefields for, 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 for getting, for attracting and retaining that talent to deliver on those promises in terms of uh, customer satisfaction. Thank you very much, James. Well, it's been brilliant. And I would like to just kind of end by um, sharing something. You know, I said to you about um, the speech you did at the British Library. Yeah. That I missed it because I was backstage yep. being really nervous. <laughs> and uh, I said, how, how were you? Were you nervous? And how do you feel about doing this podcast? And yeah. um, you said you like feeling that kind of that excited nerves. Yeah, I know. I think it's, I don't know if it's something masochistic. For a little while, I did a bit of um, stand-up comedy, purely amateur, and if anyone's seen my act, they will testify to that. Oh, come on. Where, where can you see it? No, you can't. I gave it's it up. It's not on YouTube or anything? No. no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone can furiously yeah. Google it now. And, and it was, uh, honestly, it was, uh, it was kind of a, a real adrenaline boost uh, to suddenly How many feel. did you do? Um, quite a few. Some were successful, some weren't. I always remember having to go off stage halfway through the act because no one was laughing <laughs> on one occasion. But it was a, do you know what? I did a course actually on really? stand up comedy and it was one of the best trainings I've had for my professional Why? life as well. Good. Because effectively, you are up on stage, you've got no one to help you but yourself. The material is your own 
and uh, there's no one there that's gonna that's, that's gonna help you. You're all on your own. You have to improvise. Um, if people heckle, you have to come back with something. It's there. You're in the moment. You're totally relying on yourself in terms of confidence, in terms of public speaking. It absolutely was a game changer for me. And when did you last do that then? Oh, it was probably about six or seven years ago. What was your best moment of doing that? Uh, so there, there are amateur competitions and I got through to, I think it was the, the quarterfinals. Uh, but um, I think it was a fairly big venue. I did a, uh, the King's Head up in uh, uh, Crouch End. Uh, and it was quite a big audience and it felt a little bit professional, I but still a little bit into it. I, I want to see it. I reckon you'd be really good. No, what's yeah. your sort of style then? Is it like storytelling or no, no, no? It, it, was, it was it was it was it was gangs at the time. But ultimately, the thing is, I think that uh, the presentation wasn't very good. The material the material wasn't bad, but I don't think I was a, a good deliverer of the gags at the end of the day. Did you have a go to gag? Um, yeah, I never used them in the end. I think uh, all the all the best ones were the ones that I never actually, uh, uh, I never actually performed. What rating are they? Are there, is there a one that one that you could share now? Or no, not really. No, it's <laughs> it's 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 all rated. Uh, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. This has been brilliant. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Excellent.